Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor Gillian Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire, and empower you. And I'm going to be sharing a message called Give Me My Mountain. Give me my mountain. And I'm just going to get straight into it tonight. And I'm going to start by reading from Joshua chapter 14 and verse 6. Now, one thing that we all need to know about this passage of Scripture is that it is after the Israelites have entered the promised land. So John was talking this morning, and wow, what a message this morning. Did you love this morning's message? As John likes to say, we were drinking straight from a fire hose this morning. It was just pure revelation. So I'd encourage you to get on YouTube during the week and listen to that because it was just absolutely amazing. And John was talking about the time as they had begun to enter the promised land. And this is around that same time in the Bible where they have crossed over into their promised land. But here, Caleb is coming back to what God has promised him. So I'm going to unpack it right now. From Joshua chapter 14, verse 6, it says this. A delegation from the tribe of Judah, led by Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, came to Joshua at Gilgal. Caleb said to Joshua, Remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me when we were at Kadesh Barnea? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and gave an honest report. But my brothers who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. So that day, Moses solemnly promised me, The land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land and that of your descendants forever because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. Or some versions say, I stuck to my guns. Now, as you can see, as you can see, Joshua, the Lord has kept me alive and well just as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made this promise. Even while Israel wandered in the wilderness, today I am 85 years old and I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey. I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. So give me the hill country. Or some versions say, so give me my mountain. This is what the Lord has promised me. You will remember that as scouts, that's Joshua, you and me, we found the descendants of Anak living there in great walled towns. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord said. So Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave Hebron to him as his portion of land. Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the God of Israel." See, right now, we're in a season of uncertainty, and we're in a season of change, and we're in a season where God is calling us to enter into faith, to enter into rest, to enter into His promises. And I want to talk tonight about Caleb because he displays four things 
that are going to be required of all of us if we're going to enter into what God has, and if we're going to walk in the peace of Christ in this coming season. He has four qualities of a person, of a Christian, that shows what it is to follow God in every season. And I want to talk tonight about us having these four qualities in our lives so we can enter into what God has. And those four qualities are this, trust, focus, conviction, and confidence. And I want to talk about the need we have to have these four qualities at work in our lives tonight. So I'm going to pray right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would bring courage into our hearts, that even as we hear this message tonight, you would strengthen our hearts through the Spirit of Christ in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So I want to talk now about the first trait that Caleb displays in his life. The first trait of someone who enters into what God has, who refuses to have fear and sticks with faith. The first trait that he displays is trust. You know, um, quite a few years ago now in Wellington, we were in the middle of a drought. And I don't know if many of you can remember, uh, but Wellington, it is true, had a drought. (laughs) Now, unfortunately, this was just after the Christchurch earthquake had happened, and so our council had decided that they would earthquake strengthen one of our dams. Here in Wellington, we have two dams. So what they did was over Christmas, they emptied one of the dams. Not a problem. It always rains in Wellington. (laughs) We don't run out of water. But that summer, we did. When we were down to one dam, we were suddenly in a drought, and it had stopped raining completely. Now, it was causing no small amount of panic, and people were saying on the radio and on the information that was coming out, we're down to five days of water, we're down to six days of water, we've got five days, four days, and and the panic was beginning to build that we were going to run out of water here in Wellington. Now, at the time, my children were quite small, and they were at primary school, And they would be coming home and saying, Mom, Mom, it's so bad right now. We're going to run out of water, and we're all going to die. (laughs) And I said, kids, you're not going to die. Firstly, the council won't let that happen. And secondly, you have a grandma who lives in Auckland. Worst case scenario, we will jump on the plane, and we will go and stay with grandma. You're not going to die. Do you think they believed me? Do you think they listened to their mother, a source of great wisdom, a source of all knowledge? Listen to your mother's people. Do you think they listened to their mother? No. They believed the fact that we were going to run out of water and it was going to be all over. So it was a Sunday night in January in Wellington, and we came along to church, and just coincidentally that night, we were singing in this venue right here, we were singing, let it rain. Let it rain. And I can't sing like John, so open the heavens. And I don't even remember the words. I'm my, my family's worst nightmare when it comes to singing. They're like, Mom, just stop. Just stop. <laughs> but we were singing this awesome song about spiritual rain. You know, open the spiritual rain on our lives. Let the Holy Spirit rain down on us. But as we walked out that night, you know what happened? The natural rain fell, and big drops of raindrops were falling on our heads and in our car as we drove out of the Michael Fowler Center car park. Now, in the back seat of my car, Will pipes up and he says, oh, Lara, he says, it's so good that it started to rain. We're not going to die now. I'm like, kids, 
They didn't trust their mother. Do you think they should have listened to me? Do you think they should have trusted me? Do you think that maybe I knew a little bit more than they did? You see, we can be exactly like that with God. He wants us to trust in Him. He says, don't trust in horses. Don't trust in chariots. He's saying, don't trust in what you can see. Don't trust in what you have. Don't trust in what's right in front of you, but trust in the Lord. He actually needs us and wants us to place our trust in Him. And what defines Caleb's life is that he was a man who early on decided that he was going to trust in God, no matter what he saw. And that was why when he went into the promised land, he didn't see people as giants. He didn't think he was a grasshopper. Instead, he saw the grapes. As John said, he saw the land and not the people. He didn't make a comparison because he was trusting in God. And his trust was cemented early on in the journey. You see, before we got to this moment, we had the earlier expedition of Caleb, Joshua, and the 10 other spies who checked out the land. Now, we know the story that the, 10, the 12 spies went out, 10 came back and said, we shouldn't go into the promised land. Because they said we can't do it, Israel had to wander the wilderness for 40 years, not being able to enter into their promise. But Joshua and Caleb were the two people that said we can do it, we should do it. If God is with us, our protection is there. The protection of the other people is gone because God is on our side. They counseled trust in God. Do you think that the million Israelites listened to them? No, because it's so much easier not to trust in God. It's so much easier to trust what we see. And look, in this time, in this moment right now, I wanna encourage you, don't trust what you see, don't trust what you read on stuff. Let your eyes lift up to the heavens and trust in the Lord your God. Because when He is with you, His protection resides upon your life. How do I know that tonight? You see, Caleb and Joshua stand before this assembly and they bring this report, we should go into the land. We should go and do it. And the Israelites, the Bible says, in Numbers, they picked up stones, because that's how they killed people back then. They didn't have guns and all the rest of it. They picked up stones, and they were getting ready to stone Joshua and Caleb to death. They couldn't handle the, the report they were bringing, that they wanted to literally stone them. Now, I want to ask you, did Moses stop them from stoning Caleb and Joshua? Did Aaron step in and intervene? That was the high priest. Did he step in and intervene? Did Moses' sister Miriam get involved? No. The Bible says that the divine and glorious presence of the Lord himself came down in the tabernacle between Joshua and Caleb and the people. He sovereignly protected them. In that moment, Caleb knew what it was to trust in God, that God's divine protection was on his life, that his spirit was over him, that his spirit was surrounding him. And as the Lord surrounds us, we know that he will fight our battles for us and we can trust in him at all times. Caleb knew that their protection was gone, but God was with him. The second thing that Caleb showed in his life was this, focus. Right now, there are so many distractions. There are so many things to worry about. There are so many things that are coming at us from the left and the right. But the people of God are not those that are easily distracted, that are easily led into cycles of worry, that are easily trapped in mindsets of anxiety. We are to stay focused. I wanna encourage you that as people of God who enter into promise and walk in faith, that focus is an important trait that we would have in our lives. See, in Caleb, 
we see a man who over his 85 years that he's talking about here, he never changed his focus. From the minute that God said, you're going to cross into this land and that's my possession that I have for you, this is what I have for your life, what's God said to you about your life? From the minute he knew what God had said about his life, he stuck to it. He stayed true to it. He never let it out of his sight. See, he comes up to Joshua, and this passage, if you read it, it's so funny. Caleb, he comes up to Joshua with all his bravado. I kind of imagine he's wearing like some kind of furry skins, and you know, he's got his little leather belt from some kind of animal, and you know, his little deerskin boots. I mean, it's kind of funny, but also, He's muscly and he's like the Hulk who's kind of broken out of his clothes. That's Caleb. I'm 85, but look at me. What a specimen of a man. I'm just as vigorous now as I was. I mean, that's something to aim for, lads, isn't it? You know, maybe 85 is the new 40, right? Who knows? There he is. He comes up to Joshua and he's like, Joshua, you know what the Lord said. You remember what God said. And I'm like, why does Joshua remember? Because after 40 years of Caleb being in his ear like a nagging woman on and on and on, Caleb had never let Joshua forget what God's promise to him was. So when Caleb finally comes up to Joshua, it is no surprise for Joshua. Sometimes we forget, you know, so fast. This is me at home. I'm downstairs. I'm like, I need something. So I'll go upstairs to get it. I get upstairs and I'm like, what did I go upstairs to get? So I think, I don't know, I don't know. So I go back downstairs and I remember what I wanted. And then I go back upstairs and I forget again. Sometimes I make five trips to remember what it was that I was trying to remember. In this easily distracted age that we live in, where people are dinging at us, sometimes you get, you know, you do something and you've got 10 text messages and you're trying to like cope with emails and messages and, and everything that's going on on those group chats that are so important to have 10 people on, that you can't even focus on, as John said, on the voice of the Lord and on what His promises. We need to stay focused. We need to have Christ-centered focus in our lives. I wanna give us some quick keys on how we stay focused. Because you see, the Bible refers to Caleb as being like an old salty dog. It does. Bible commentators say Caleb was like a, a salty old dog. He was like a dog with a bone. Now my dog Coco, she got a bone from the groomers the other day. This disgusting bone has traveled around the house. It has ended up on the bed and on the couch, which is just not cool. But I'm telling you now, you try to part that dog from her bone, it will be major problem. That God wants us to be like that. That we can't be parted from His promise. That we can't be parted from trusting in Him. That we can't be parted from what He is wanting us to enter into. And there is Caleb and he is getting focused. And so what are the ways that we can stay focused? The first thing we need to do is ignore distractions. Ignore the distractions because they're gonna come. You know, um, I know you can tell from my amazing physique, but at one stage I was into running. And I was getting quite good at running. I had got up to running five kilometers. That is, that is good. And for me, that was very good. And um, I was up in the North Island, up past Whangarei, if you guys all know Whangarei. Um, happy birthday, Ruby Halverson, if you're here. And um, up in the back roads up there, I was running. I was getting really good. And I'd got to that point where runners talk about a second wind. I'd finally discovered it. 
I could have kept running. I just knew I can't quit now. I've hit the second wind. So I thought, great. So I added some roads in and I ran up some back roads. As I ran up a back road, there was this huge gull, you know, those ugly black seagull type things. And it started swooping down at me. What I realized was I must have been running close to its nest. However, what do you think of when a bird is coming at you, swooping at you? You immediately think it's going to peck my eyes out. I'm, it, you do, right? I'm not the only one. You think it's going to t- take your eyes out. So I thought, oh, and I was getting really freaked out. And then I thought, this bird, it doesn't know who it's messing with. God has given us dominion over all the creatures. You will walk on snakes and scorpions. You will trample them under feet. This gull ain't got nothing on a poisonous snake. He doesn't know he's messing with. He's messing with a woman of God. Right, I'm going to teach it a lesson. I'm going to make it submit to the authority of God on my life. When it comes back around, I formulated a quick plan. When it comes back at me, I am going to jump out of the bird and I'm going to give it the fright of its life. <laughs> I know this is how my mind thinks. You're just getting a real insight tonight, okay? Am I vengeful? Maybe. Uh, I like revenge movies. So I was going to get my revenge on this bird. As it came at me, I, I didn't break my stride, but I thought I'm going to give it a scream and a leap. And so as it came at me, I leapt out and went rawr at the bird. Oh, Yes. It was fabulous. The bird was freaked out. It did like an immediate plop, you know? It emptied its bowels because of fear. Fear. I know, but not on me. That was okay. But as I landed back to earth, as I came down, I didn't land on the pavement. My ankle hit the curb, and I went down like a ton of bricks. It was very unattractive. I'm so glad that nobody was filming it. I went down in a heap on the road and my ankle blew up like a, like a flippin' watermelon. There was no more running for me. You see, I had listened to the squawk of the enemy. The Bible says that our enemy has got one thing that he can do. He can come and talk in our ear. He can come and talk to us and he can say, oh, why are you going to church all the time? Oh, why are you staying and hanging out with those Christian friends? What about all your other friends? Oh, why don't you have one more drink? Hey, why don't you try these pills? There's nothing wrong with them. They'll just, you know, give you a little buzz. Or why don't you, you know, just come with us to this party? It's going to be totally fine. It doesn't matter that, you know, nobody else believes in Jesus and you're going to be peer pressured to do a whole lot of stuff that you really shouldn't do. Just, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. And these voices, these distractions, stay up late, keep checking your phone, keep checking your phone just in case somebody sent you a message at 1 a.m. Don't miss that message. Stay connected. And those distractions come, but we have to ignore the voice of the enemy because it will take us out. It will take us out. Don't let distraction hold you back from entering into what God has. Just to finish that little story for you, just so you know what happened, because there I was marooned with, you know, my ankle, and I'm sure you're wondering what happened to me. The first and only time in my life I hitchhiked. I know, just move over Jack Reacher. It was Gillian Cameron on the road, hitchhiking. I was very careful who I chose to hitchhike with, you know, having read all the fearful reports. I chose the Kiwi conservation guy. I thought, a guy that looks after flightless birds has got to be pretty all right, don't you think? So I caught a hitchhike ride with the Kiwi guy. (laughs) The other thing about focus is it requires discipline. I think this is very timely right now because it requires discipline in our thought life and our actions. Now, think about Caleb and Joshua. Think about Caleb. 
He had 40 years from when he first went and spied out the land till he got to enter into it. But what happened in that 40 years? What, what took place in the waiting? Well, he wandered and he wandered and he wandered. But every so often along the journey, he stopped for a funeral. He had funeral after funeral after funeral where his peers, his friends, his family, all the people he had known his whole life, he buried each and every one beneath the thin crust of the wilderness. And he had to keep on walking. See, it would have been pretty hard to say goodbye to every person you'd known and loved. But he kept his mind disciplined and his mind self-controlled. He didn't give way to the weight of depression. He didn't give way to the weight of darkness that would have wanted to come upon his life. Instead, he focused on God. I wanna encourage us in the time that we're in that we need to stay focused on God by having a self-control in our thought life. The Bible says, do not worry about tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow will bring, but don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about what will come. God wants us to trust in Him today, not worrying about tomorrow, but living today in His purpose. Live today, take today, seize today. Today is what we have. Today is a gift that God has given. Let's make today count and not worry, God says, about tomorrow. Have self-control in our thoughts. And lastly, to stay focused, Caleb waited for God's timing. To stay focused, we will need to be patient. Possibly one of the hardest things, one of the things that we're really gonna have to work at. I mean, I do it too. I stand in front of the microwave and I'm like, hurry up. I'm like opening the door before it beeps, you know? Like, feed me right now. <laughs> and like, I'm looking at the microwave, getting hungrier and hungrier. Who knew that in a minute you could get hungrier than a minute ago? It's just true. And patience is like one of those things that we're not really learning because we go to McDonald's. I mean, Will wanted lunch, we just went to McDonald's. I was like, brilliant, just easy. He gets McDonald's about once a year. Today was the day. Today was the day. And uh, yeah, I thought it was a solid choice today as well. And you know, we need to be patient because Caleb displayed that. He didn't get to his promise straight away. He waited 40 years. And we can't understand what's on the other side of our obedience and our waiting because I think sometimes we think everything will be instant. And, and God, if we stay focused, if we stay prayerful, if we trust that everything He wants to do in our life will just happen overnight. Well, it won't, but it will happen in the words of Pantene. That's probably not everybody would know that. You guys, younger people, don't, you don't even have TV ads anymore. No, it's sad can't connect over the ads. But anyway, <laughs> Caleb waited 40 years before he entered his promise. But I want to tell you tonight, he didn't just wait 40, he waited 45. He waited 45. The minute they crossed over the promised land, he wasn't like, see you, Joshua, see you, everybody. I'm off to the land that God has promised me. He waited another five years and those five years were trying times. He waited for Jericho. He waited for the circumcision. I won't go into detail. He was waiting during AI, which John talked about this morning. 
He was there for the king's defeat. You can read all about it in the book of Joshua. I encourage you to start reading. It's incredible. He was there for all those things. And then he comes up to Joshua when it was time. He had patience to wait for the timing of God to enter into what God had. See, impatience will cause us to actually miss what God has for us. If we hurry into things, we might miss what God wants to do. The third trait we need in our lives is conviction. Conviction. I believe that right now the world is going to really look at people who stand with conviction. And I think it's going to be a time when we're not swayed by the wind. We're not swayed by what's happening. But when we stand rooted with conviction, with faith, trusting God, filled with love, filled with the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that we will make a very real impact over the coming days and months. I'm telling you now, in your high school, there are many of you who have started Christian groups. Well, now is the time where your conviction is going to stand out. Now is the time when the conviction that is inside of you is going to speak to the people around you. Because while other people are afraid, we can have no fear because the Lord is our dwelling place and He is our shield and our rear guard and His presence is surrounding us. You know, we need to have conviction. Caleb says this, I brought back, this is when he spied out the land, I brought back a report according to my convictions. I followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. And as I said earlier, that means I stuck to my guns. Oh gosh, we need some Christians in this room. We need some Christians in this room that are gonna stick to their guns, that are gonna believe that Jesus can raise the dead, that are gonna believe that this is not the only life, that there is an eternity to which we are saved. There are people here who've gotta believe in the sanctity of human life, who've gotta stand up and stand up for what God wants to do in and through you. You've only just begun, but your conviction will set you apart. Your conviction will set you apart. Conviction will change the way you see things. As I said earlier, Caleb's conviction made him see the big grapes and not the challenges. He saw the blessings and not the challenges because he had conviction. You know, it's, it's really hard when you're around someone negative, isn't it? You know, who would you rather hang out with, the negative person or the optimist? Totally. But conviction will breed optimism within us. I said to John yesterday, and there's some things about passionate that were happening, and I said, oh, well, I'm feeling a bit down today. But I woke up this morning, and I said, well, my eternally optimistic personality has kicked in today. I was down yesterday, but I'm gonna be up today because I'm trusting that God outworks things for good in His perfect timing. And I can have patience, and I can stay focused, and I can have conviction that the Lord is gonna use what is happening in this world to make the Christians stand out. You know, conviction bodes no argument. Conviction provides strength. You see, there's Caleb, I'm just as strong. Oh, hey, look at me, what a specimen of a man. I'm just as strong. Why was he just as strong? Because of his inner conviction. It is an unshakable strength from the very core of who you are. People respect it, people admire it, and people are looking for it. Would some Christians in this room stand up with some conviction in Jesus' name? You know, there was a... Um, a great military leader that you may have heard of by the name of Julius Caesar. And he knew how to lead his men with conviction, and he knew how to put conviction into them. They were heading over, he was the Roman emperor, and he was heading over to conquer Britain. So they got in their boats. Now, yes, you may have seen your history books, the boats with the prows like this. There they were, heading across the seas, the Roman fleet ships starting to invade Britain. 
And as they pulled up at the white cliffs of Dover, all the men got out and climbed up the cliff and they climbed up the top of the landmass. And Julius Caesar said, men, we're gonna go forth and we're gonna conquer. And then he said, now look back for just a moment. And he made all the men turn and look back. And down at the bottom at the base of the cliff, he had set the boats alight. All of the boats that they'd traveled over from Rome to England were ablaze. He wanted them to understand they weren't going back again. He wanted them to understand that it was only going forward. It was only victory. It was only conquering. There was no turning back. Now we need some Christians who get to the top of the land that God has, who get to the promise that God has, and they burn their boats. They don't want to turn back to their old life. They don't keep an escape route that if maybe I feel like doing it, I can go back to the old way of living. That if I'm feeling afraid, it doesn't matter if I give in to those fears. It doesn't matter if I get all caught up in my anxiety. No, my friends, burn the boat. Have a no turning back attitude because Jesus leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. And we are the head and we are not the tail. We are more than conquerors. And God's hand is on your life. You are a victor. You are a champion. God's purpose will come to pass through your life. There is no no assignment of the enemy that can cause you to retreat. It is only what we believe ourselves. Come on, let's get some conviction on the inside. Nothing will cause us to go back to the way we were. Nothing will cause us to retreat. The people of God are not those who shrink back, but those who advance in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. The fourth thing that Caleb had in his life that we need is confidence. It's confidence that the band can come as well, be awesome. God will always reward our faith and our confidence in Him. See, Caleb showed uncompromising confidence comes up to Joshua, now give me my mountain. Now what we need to know about this tonight is Caleb is not saying, give me the land with the little house on the prairie. Give me the land that is easy and green, where the streams bubble and flow, where everything is set up and it's already fenced and it's already perfectly laid out. He's not saying, give me the easy established land. He was actually asking for the hardest part of the promised land to conquer. You see, Hebron, the mountain he is asking for, was the country and the home of giants. It was going to be an uphill battle to fight the most serious and full-on people that you could ever imagine. And as we know here in New Zealand, fighting an uphill battle is an immense military strategy what the Māori people employed and gave them such great authority in their warfare because they had the high ground. And Caleb's saying, I'm gonna take on giants that are holding the high ground. When he says, give me my mountain, he's coming up to Joshua and he's saying, give me my challenge. Give me my adversity. Give me my struggle. Give me the hardest thing I've ever faced in my life because I can take it on because God is with me. God is on my side. Give me my challenge. I'm ready for it. I believe right now we are seeing a time in society of challenge and we've got to be ready for it. We need confidence on the inside of us, a confidence that comes from trusting in God. And I tell you that right now, 
Our light will shine brighter because we are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. We are a light that should not be put under a bushel. We are not to hide what Christ has put on the inside of us, which is confidence in uncertain times, which is unwavering faith in spite of the facts. It's facing the facts, but in faith believing. And my friends, you can have this confidence deep on the inside of you and you can begin to give it away. You can begin to give it away. God is making you a light at this time in this generation. And your confidence in God, the confidence that you have in your heart towards God, towards Jesus Christ, I believe that it will lead to the saving of many lives. And it will lead to the conquering of giants that live in this land. And Caleb, he came to that mountain. He said, I've got confidence. God was with me then. God was with me before. God has been with me every day of my life and He will be with me now. I'm promising you that when we stand in confidence, God says, I'm gonna be with them. They are my man, they are my woman, and I'm gonna walk beside them. I'm gonna stand beside them. And I won't let their words fall to the ground. If they speak with trust in me, if they stay focused on the cross of Christ, if they have conviction and live according to it, not compromise, then you can bet your bottom dollar that our confidence in God will not go astray and His confidence in you will leave an imprint on the lives of every person that you touch, every person that you touch, everywhere that you go. See, Caleb did that. He impacted everybody and the truth was that he conquered his mountain. He conquered his mountain. He got to the mountain. He didn't run from it. Don't run from your challenge. Don't run from your adversity. See, some of us in this room, we've actually got to the foot of the mountain. And rather than start to climb and begin to get into that challenge, instead of going up the mountain, we've begun to retreat. You see, when we retreat, we step into the shadow of the mountain and the shadow overwhelms us. Some of us, we've got to the mountain rather than go up, we're just going around. We're just going around, keep circling around and not having the conviction to just enter in. And some of us, what we need to understand is that actually it's time. It's time to actually begin to enter in, to climb, to go forward, to not shrink back, to not retreat, to not waste time anymore. Don't waste time. Time is precious. Every day is passing. What is man? He is but a breath. He is but a fleeting shadow. Your time is precious. Eternity is waiting. It's time to begin to climb. It's time to begin to step up because who knows what is on the other side of your obedience as you begin to climb. You see, Hebron, Caleb got to the top of the mountain. And you know what Hebron means? Hebron means God is there. And when we climb, and when we walk with conviction, and when we place our confidence in God, we get to a place where God is there. We feel Him, we sense Him. We don't just know about Him, we know Him. We know His nearness, we know His heart, we feel His Holy Spirit, we sense His encouragement. We sense the closeness. See, the Holy Spirit is our advocate. You know, Jesus is our advocate, but the Holy Spirit is our counsellor. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. He is the one that surrounds us. Jesus said, I'm not leaving you alone. Even though I'm gonna go, I'm gonna give you the Holy Spirit. You will never be alone. God is there. He is on the other side of us entering into our challenge in Jesus' Name. I believe in this room that some of us have been looking back. It's time to look forward. 
Some of us has been going around and it's time to go up. Some of us have been looking at the enemy and not looking at the bigness of God. It's time to let go of our worry, let go of our fear, let go of our doubts and trust in God. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Pastor Gillian Cameron, visit arisechurch.com or connect with us on Instagram at arisechurch and at Gillian Cameron.